Hey guys, welcome back. This week we've got a special little treat for you with our podcast. It's actually a one that I recorded a few weeks back with a couple friends of mine uh, for the Hunter podcast. Um, we went into it talk, thinking we were going to talk a lot about sheds. And as oftentimes happens when you start ha- recording these, it was like a actually a really good conversation with buddies and i'm it, the the direction kind of went the direction it went i hope you enjoy it i think you'll enjoy it do me a favor uh like and share and comment on this but also do me a favor and follow those guys in their podcast they've got some really cool stuff going on um and i think you'll like it if you like what we're doing here so appreciate it and enjoy Kind of gave a brief overview uh, from your ad, but you're in Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, we're close to Green Bay, a little town called Pulaski, about 20 minutes from Green Bay. Yeah, the old uh, Aaron Rodgers situation up there is a little bit tense right now, huh? I, you know, it doesn't bother me a bit. I'm a Bears fan, so uh, <laughs> you know, no, excuse me. really, the the more con- the disappointments. <laughs> yeah, the more friction there is in that town when it comes to that kind of stuff. I. I get a little chuckle out of it. So no, I, I, I say that I am a bears fan. Uh, it makes for thick skin growing up in green Bay. Um, but, uh, I, at the same time, I will say I love, I do enjoy what the Packers bring to our community. Like it's a, and, and, and not from like a business, yes, business and all that stuff, but like there is, it is a pretty, um, it is a pretty cool cultural thing. And I, you know, I grew up, I went to high school, like a couple blocks from Lambeau field and, Um, I, my, I have friends that live, you know, have houses now and grew up next to Lambeau field. And so it is a, it's unique. I don't know that there's anything like it in professional sports. And, uh, for that reason, I, I do think it's pretty cool. I think, yeah, I think it's a really cool, I mean, it's kind of one of those things when you start to think like, um, I don't know, you think football town or you think at least like old school football town, you know, I think you think Green Bay and you think totally. Lambeau and you think like, you know, snow and cold games and, yeah. and things like that. And um, Yeah, and I'm into that stuff. I like tradition. I like um yeah, I, I I appreciate it, I should say. I, I don't I didn't always and and I used to really despise the Packers and the Packer fans and all that stuff because I'm a Bears fan and I think that's just natural, but um I've grown to appreciate and respect it. Um and it, it, that's part of getting old I guess. Um yeah. I don't mind seeing six. I I actually like. I really appreciate and enjoy watching people do really well at what the, whatever it is they do. I don't care what it is. Like I'm not a music. I'm not a musical guy. I'm not. A, I'm not into that kind of stuff. But my wife is very. She's artsy. She's into artsy stuff. Uh, she, we'll go to stuff that's like a play or like a. I don't know what they are. Performance thing where people sing songs yep. and stuff. And I, I enjoy. I never would have thought I would, but. I enjoy it because those people are very good at what they're doing. Yeah. I'm not a big music yeah. guy. I'm not a big concert guy, but I really get to a concert and I go, man, I really do like this because I'm seeing someone do something that they're just very good at. And I, yeah. I love, I love watching that. Agree. Yeah. Well, I think that's what we were kind of getting at earlier before we brought you on Jeremy is like, um, 
you know, when you're kind of performing at like what you think is your highest productivity level, right? There's, there's something extremely rewarding about that in life, whatever it is, whether yeah. it's football or plays or music, like it just, <laughs> I, I think just you're is. trying to tie us like feeling like we're getting some things done in the office <laughs> to like athletes performing at the highest level. Yeah, I don't see like, what you're doing there. Like in the zone. I see what you're doing there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if well, I find a shed, I feel like I've been very successful. Yeah, the best shed owner of all time. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying, and I didn't hear your conversation before, but like, I think it's rel- like there are relative comparisons to make, and like the you know, I always can draw stuff. I can almost always connect stuff back to training um, when it comes to dogs, and when you start talking about that, like, and I'm just jumping in late, didn't hear the what you guys are talking about, but like your comparison of athletic achievements on fields of you know high level versus getting something done in the office i look at that and i go yeah it's not really the same but it is because you know what it t- we see the stuff that happens high level achievements on a sports field let's say like the super bowl right. we're going to watch the super bowl and we're going to get yeah. really appreciate what these these two teams did but there's a hell of a lot of teams that didn't make it that put a lot of work in to get to where they were. There's then you take a step back and you go to college level, you take a step back and you go to the high school level, you take a step back and you get little kids working towards these goals. Like nobody sees that stuff because it's not highlighted and it's not brought up and it's not publicized the way Super Bowl Sunday is. But the the all those little days where you got stuff done in the office, nobody's going to throw big parties and celebrate that, but without them you don't ever get to a level where it's real high and people actually see it. Well, and so I, I, was quick, I was quick to come at you there for that, Jeremy. But I, I do think that like the assimilation that, that I make is like, whether it is, you know, an athletic event getting to the Super Bowl or the day in the office, mm-hmm. it's like, dude, it really is about building a, a lifestyle around productivity or, or growth, you know, and whether yeah. it's at the highest level or like wherever you're at in the game, it's like, that's, that's, that's the growth, dude, that you and I are always talking about on this podcast. Well, and, and Jeremy, I think you get this as much as Jared and I do. It, it, because you're a business owner, is like uh, there's a lot of struggles, right, in business ownership and, and growth and trying to figure it. And and sometimes, like even with this podcast, like we'll talk about like me buying that piece of property in Ohio and stuff. And people are quick to come out like, oh, it must be nice to like be able to go do that. And I'm like, dude, I've been burning it at both ends for about sure. three months here. And when I say that, I'm talking like 16, 18-hour days, no lie. And it's to do that. Now, right. if you don't want to, if you don't want to work that hard, that's fine. But you probably aren't going to go buy 130 acres. Somewhere. Right. That's right. Okay. Well, it's it's that what it took to get it. But then I think what else, what other, the other part that's not seen is the idea that what did you, what are you not doing to buy that land? Yeah. Like you're sacrificing, okay. oh, you, you, sacri- you sacrificed a lot of other things that aren't necessarily big item things. But all those little things added up equal bigger amounts of money that then can be applied toward this big thing that people see and go, oh, it must be nice. No, it was, it is nice, but it was, it wasn't nice to give up. My wife wanted new furniture and I said, no, we're going to do this. My, we, we decided not to go out to eat for the last seven years. And we did, you know, like all those little things, no, you don't notice. And I look at, you know, from a comparison with dogs, dogs, Dogs don't just get it. Dogs don't, light bulbs don't just click and things, we, we don't take big chunks in training. We take mm-hmm. very, very little tiny steps forward and then backwards and forward and backwards and forward. As long as we're moving, eventually I think we move forward to the point where all of a sudden one day you wake up and you go, wow, we're here. But it's not like it happened overnight. It's You didn't recognize the small incremental changes that took place to get there. And those are 
in some situations, those are sacrifices. In some situations, those are just sticking with it, like it's this tortoise versus the hare thing. And you, you, nobody, it doesn't happen easy and it doesn't happen overnight for anybody. Overnight success is just the shit you didn't see forever and all of a sudden now you saw it. There's just no such thing. And, and I, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's, re, it's realized in, in that sense until you go through it like you have to personally go through it to see it and understand it once you do my hope is that like for me once i've some of these things have happened in our life i i need to remind myself to understand that when i'm looking at other people and making decisions or judging or whatever i'm going i have no idea the shit that underlies for them like i don't know what they're going through i don't know the struggles and that's something that you know experience experience is really valuable you know yeah dude i that for, for me like my observation and i've i've been the one to do this before like i think a lot where a lot of people miss the they fail to like actually make the, the transition from like wanting something and actually executing on it is that oh. like dude, because of all those things you just mentioned jeremy it's like there i there are so few things in life that are you know rewarding enough that you would say okay um, i'm gonna do this one thing and be committed to it enough that i'm gonna like achieve this result like maybe that's where we start out at but i think over time you realize that like almost everything worth that amount of effort requires like a literal lifestyle change you're like okay i'm not doing this thing to so that i can achieve this thing i'm doing this thing because that's what I do now. And this is how, this is what my lifestyle is encompassing, Mm -hmm. you know, and and whether it's, you know, bow bow hunting for Jeremy or I, or or business, business, uh, you know, achieving whatever it is, developing dogs to a certain point. It's not just like, Hey, I'm going to do this thing. And because I really want that desired outcome, I really want this dog to be able to do this again. Maybe that's where you start out, but I think you have to like flip the switch in your brain to say, this is what this dog and I do now. This is our repetition every day. And eventually we're not only going to achieve that goal, but I think there are so many other things that come with it. And with that lifestyle, you've path mm-hmm. that you've chosen that you're like, this is who we are now. This is, this is the character that we've, we've made. Yeah. You know, people, people, I get a lot of times where people will have a problem. You know, I get a lot of messages for pe- people that are struggling with certain things with their dogs and what should I do and what should I do and what should I do? And I, I try to answer as many, as many or all that I can. Um, and, we hell our our podcast. Most of our episodes on our podcast are people's questions, and I'm just answering right. them back because I know multiple people have that same question, and I think it's easier to help lots of people at one fail swoop there. But one of the things that I think is is interesting is people ask me they have a symptom, they've got an issue, they've got a thing that is wrong that's creating this question. Then they ask me how do I fix this, and so I start to break that down, and I go, well, you you got to do this, this, and this, and they go. But I don't want to do that for the. I don't want to. I, that's not why I got a dog. So like people that have, you know, an example would be, dog doesn't. Dog runs off. Like you get a puppy, they're eight weeks old. All of a sudden they get to 12, 13, 14 weeks old, and they don't come back to you anymore, and they don't want to be with you all the time, and they run away. And and people don't do anything from that eight week window to the fourteen week window when that problem shows up. They don't do anything to create like a, a recall. Come to, yeah. come when I call you type yeah. thing. So then all of a sudden that puppy matures and gets confident and says, you're not that exciting to me anymore. There's other stuff that is, I'm going to go do that. So they say, what do I do? 
I said, well, you can't let them out anymore to run away because it's just reinforcing. You're not going to change it in that uncontrolled environment. You got to put the dog on a lead and take them out to go to the bathroom and then bring them back in the house and get in a more controlled environment. And that's where you'll work on developing recall because you can't have this big open area because you already, you lost the control. So they say, well, I don't, that's not, I don't want to have to take my dog out on a leash always to go to the bathroom. And I, I have to say, no, I don't think you should. But you are going to have to make an extreme change to try to combat that behavior that's formed. So you got to do it now and for a while until you get all that work done in the house and get recall better and then move to a little bit more tempting area and get recall good there and slowly work your way up to the idea of outside. So no, you don't have to do it for the rest of your life, but you're going to have to do it for a while in order to change the undesirable behavior. And a lot of people, I'm not saying it's forever. I'm saying it's for now so that you can get what you want to get and then you'll be able to slowly get what you want ultimately. I don't know. Do you guys listen? Dave Ramsey, he's just a financial guy. Yeah, you guys I listen am. to Dave Ramsey? So, Dude, I actually have a really cool thing to tell you guys after you're done with your comment here. So just one of his – so I listen to him. I really like him, my wife, and yep. I took this financial peace class and all that stuff. And we, we really buy into – he's got an extremely simple system. Like it's not complicated, yep. but sure, it's hard it's to not. do. It's, you, it's execution. And so mm-hmm. – I, one of his lines is, I th- it's, and I don't, not verbatim probably, but it's live, live like no one else so that you can live and give like no one else, something like that. So it's yeah. not like forever. You don't have to live like a, um, you know, you, you, you have, we had to really rein in some of our spending and like create different lifestyle things um, in order to get our finances on the track where we wanted them to be. And so we had to sacrifice quite a bit. That we thought, now I, I make it sound like that, I'm first world problems, right? Like I had to sacrifice going out to eat as much and I had to, I had to give up some stuff. But we had to do that for a while. And then we got to the point we did it long enough, it became normal. And then all of a sudden, it our finances changed into the direction that we were hoping that they would. And now we're in a position like we just went through our budget recently and we're like, we are able, we are in such a different position to give like to our church and different stuff that we want to do. So we're, we lived like we couldn't imagine for a while. And now we're living like we couldn't imagine back then. Cause we're going, boy, we have a lot more freedom. We have a lot more ability yep. to do things. We have a lot more ability to, and he's big on giving. And I think that's really important. But mm-hmm. so I, his line live today, live like no other today. So you can live and give like no other for the rest of your life type thing. It's the same with the dogs. I'm not saying you have to do it for the rest of your life. I'm saying you have to do it until you get the behavior the way you want it and shaped. And then you can go out and really enjoy whatever it is you want to do because you have sacrificed in the beginning to get the result in the end. And I, I feel like people, it, it, it comes back to, and I, I'm a broken record when it comes to this one, but it comes back to patience and the understanding that it takes time and it's going to be uncomfortable for periods of time and you have to work through that. But the patience part is what, if you don't have, this is impossible. Like I, I we're going to talk, we're going to get into some dog, some dog stuff and like all the stuff that I'm going to talk about, all the stuff that I do with my dogs and I've got really nice dogs. All the stuff I do with them is not hard. It's not complicated. It, it doesn't take a, a ton of special I mean, I think there is some stuff that's developed as far as skill as a, when a tra- from a trainer's perspective, but that's just like any other trade or craft. You do things well enough to hone the skill. But I feel like 
the one of the biggest things that we lack, and it's a society type thing, is the the willingness to be patient. And it takes that. And it, and it's I so I, I look at benefits of training dogs, and one of the things that is you get a good dog. The other thing is is you become a more patient person, you become a more understanding person to process. You become a I become a better dad, I become a better coach, I became a better boss, I became a all this stuff because I those principles like they really overlap. They yeah. That's it. And that's funny. I think it's an important to tack on to what you're saying there is you're you're gonna make mistakes and, and you're totally. gonna maybe fail a couple of times or at least go through some struggles before you get it right. Yeah. I encourage it. I think a mistake is an opportunity for the dog to learn ninety nine percent of the time if we handle it right. But the problem is is if you make a mistake, like if I make a mistake as a handler, it sets the dog up to fail. It's just the way yep. it is. When dogs screw up, it's not because of the dog. It's because I set it up poorly. If the dog doesn't give me the result, I have to be big enough and egoless enough to look at that and go, how come? It's not the dog's fault. It's because what I did. So why is that? And then change it. And then and so it's me making a change directly results in the dogs making changes. And But it, you have to, like that's a skill to be able to assess that, process it pretty quickly on the spot, in the moment at times. Um, and at times you miss shit. All, I miss stuff all the time. One of the benefits of filming it for me has been filming gets in the way. We document a lot of training. We try to do our best to train and film as much stuff to share. It gets in the way. It's a real pain. Um, it screws things oh, yeah. up. It screws things up oh, all yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, think about trying to film a hunt. Like filming a hunt oh, yeah. makes That's it, it, it's yeah, a whole know. different element. It creates lots of hurdles. So filming gets in the way of training. It doesn't go as smoothly for me. It doesn't go as quickly for me. What happens is, is I look at the film and I realize some of the things that I didn't even recognize in the session. I, I recognize mistakes I make in the session and then I adjust. I watch it after and I go, oh, there's something I didn't catch in the moment. I now had the chance to re-see it from a totally different perspective. Instead of me looking at the dog down the lead, I'm looking at the person holding onto the lead looking down the dog. So I see it from a different angle. I get value out of that. I've tried to use that to make myself a better trainer. But so you, the mistake part of it, I always think that if mistakes are welcomed and, and they're unavoidable, but if we use them to our advantage, like mistakes aren't bad at all. All of a sudden now we can look at this in a totally different light. You know, it's perspective is important. Um, again, dog training, but again, I think in everything, you know, discipline, yeah. discipline's a word that I use and it's, there's a perspective thing about discipline. Like if I talk about Steph Curry as being a disciplined player in the NBA, what does that mean? That's a very, it's a very desirable thing. He's not getting in trouble. He's practicing and working out harder than anybody. He's shooting more than, I mean, the results come from, I think a direct action of his discipline and, yep. and so we look at that as a positive when we start thinking about the word discipline with dogs and dog training i think most people if you ask them how do you feel about discipline they're going to feel like you discipline the dog it's physical it's negative it's pressure it's like it's it's immediately associated with that type of terminology and i look at discipline differently i look at discipline as respect and trust and like it's the same word it's the same meaning of the word, but in those two different situations, training a dog or Steph Curry or some name some other player that is good at their sport, 
now all of a sudden we look at that word differently. And I, I just don't think it should be. I think that's something that um, we got to we got to understand is is a real important way of of looking at things. Yeah. When I even think when it's imposed by somebody else, so like, you know, you say Steph Curry is disciplined yeah. with his own regimen, but when it's imposed by somebody else or from like an owner to a dog or from, you know, a dad to a son or, mm-hmm. or something like that, like it's, it's important to note that there's, there's right and wrong ways to do that. You know, it should sure. be from a place of love and, and with the hope that that person who's receiving the discipline is, uh, you know, can grow from that sure. and can ultimately have a stronger relationship with well, who's issuing the discipline. It, it, it's kind of a, uh, maybe it's a simple analogy, but it's something like observationally that I've noticed of like, if I watch somebody managing their dog in a field or in a dog park or whatever, and it's like, that dog doesn't listen for shit. Right. And then I see that person parent. I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> same, same, same. Like, totally. It, it's one in the same, man. Like, totally. I get it. I'm like, Oh, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's a, it is a cultural thing. Um, I, I really believe that. I, and when I say cultural, I've, I've, I've used that in mess. It's the hard part about messaging back and forth to people and sending emails and texts and DMS and all that stuff is it's that, it's that breakdown from a language standpoint. It's not as yep. thorough oh, as communicating. Terrible. You don't get, you that don't context. get emotion with it. Yeah. So yep. when I, when I message people, you know, they've got an issue, this, this, and this with their dog. And I say, well, it's a cultural thing. Right away, they are. I've had people offended by you. Have no idea about my background. No, I understand <laughs> that. That's not what I mean. I mean the yeah. idea of what is the dog's environment. And so when when the environment is chaotic and fractured, yep. you get yep. chaotic, fractured behavior. Like that's mm-hmm. that's that's something that I'm not. You know, we were talking about it when we got on here, like running late, and I'm usually running late, and like I'm I'm not proud of that. It's something that I need to work on and get better at. Um, it's not, I don't think it was imposed on me necessarily by my parents because they probably are more, um, in tune with being prompt and being on time and that kind of stuff. But like my, my routine, and I can think back on it, you know, there's a lot of, I used to have nightmares about showing up at my basketball games. We're talking high school level varsity type basketball. I'm, I used to have nightmares that I was, that I was getting to the bus and I didn't have my uniform with me. Like I, I I would literally at night wake up sweating because I knew that was something that I was prone to. Like that was me. That's just who I am. That's internal. And that's, that's something that probably I do believe can be changed, but it takes, it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of focused energy on. And like, I used to have a really bad I used to have a really bad temper. I, I mean, I still do. I, I don't think, it, I don't think it goes. It doesn't go away. Like it's, it's yeah. in me. And so I used to be a little bit on the hot side, but I was in construction. And so in, that's, that's, that's in, the uh, that's the ginger in you. That's the <laughs> oh yeah that. yeah. So, I, I can say that because my wife is one. Too. Yeah. Well, it it might be. It could be. But and I think there is. Now you now you're talking about my culture. But. <laughs> No, yeah, speaking of, but, but I, I feel like it was my environment because I was in a construction setting and we, yeah. we, if you ever go on a job site, a commercial and I don't care what construction job site, uh, leave your feelings at home because they're not really important there. And so we, we get, you know, it, we have this mentality and it is a, it is a productivity thing. And it's, it's all this stuff where we have this, 
um, very, it's a very macho type setting where the strongest, harshest, roughest guy usually rises to the top in a lot of scenarios. And he runs the joint. Yeah, and and so I've I was raised in that of be strong. Don't <laughs> emotion isn't talked about a lot. Now I'm a pretty emotional guy, which I, I really am, admittedly. And so you put me on a job site. Well, I became very I became very calloused. Because my emotions didn't work there. Like that wasn't how I was going to get where I needed to be. I just needed to be stronger, tougher, faster, dumber, probably. I mean, I hurt my back several times because of it. So I, I needed that in that. And, and, and when things didn't go smoothly, throwing shit was the answer to a lot of issues. Like just throw it. And so just ram it, just smash it. And so when I took that mentality home, with me because I was around that all day long and I'd bring that home, I would lose my cool at home. And I would, and then all of a sudden I'm working dogs on the side and I'm realizing, I didn't even realize it then, but I probably was a little bit more short tempered. I didn't have the patience. I would snap a little bit. And now as I've gotten away from that and my, my wife has helped me recognize and realize it is, you know, the, you can't, you can't be kumbaya and like hope everything works because that's not that's the extreme on the right. other side. But you can't be on the extreme of just beat the hell out of them. And so you got to have some, you got to get somewhere in the middle. And I've, I've, I've really tried to make an effort to, to do that. And then it, tri- it trickled over and it spilled over into my kids. It, I've got, I'm, I'm more patient with my third, who's three years old, than I was with my first who's 20 years old so like i mason got a pretty rough dad like dad was not nearly as compassionate when 20 years ago as he is today and so lillian gets soft dad but lillian also gets a dad that understands i need to firm up at times and she knows it she's super smart she recognizes it and she also knows that there are certain things that she can do whatever she wants because she knows dad really melts at that. And so mm-hmm. what's the difference? Like my approach is different. My age is different. My life's experiences are different. All those things have created and shaped me into dad today versus dad back then. Dad back then wasn't wrong. Dad today is not wrong. They both have rights and they both have wrongs. And I think training is the same way. I've evolved. I've changed over the years. And I think if you don't, there's that's when problems show up. Well, and I think what I'm curious to Jeremy is because uh, like all of that makes sense, <clears throat> and being able to work a dog like you do for it to uh, basically progress in its training and its skill and its knowledge base. How do you then get the owner to continue that? Because when it leaves your handling, and it's <laughs> passed across yeah i mean that it has to it has to continue right or it falls totally. apart just like any routine would. yeah it's a 50 50 equation i really believe that the dog is half the equation and the handler is the other so it's you know when you're the way you're asking me like for dogs that i train for clients which i don't do yep. i don't train I, I train a very limited number of dogs for clients and the okay. reason the reason i do that is because our business structure is just not built that way um mm-hmm. i i we're not a kennel I do a little bit of breeding. I do a little bit of training for other people. I, we, we do, I am, our our business is to help those that are training their own dogs because I feel like my, my whole objective with, with what we do with dog bone is 
help as many people as possible enjoy their dogs the most possible, like get the yep. most out of the relationship with the dog. And so exactly. for me, if I pushed it, like I personally, so there's, there's multiple reasons why we don't train lots of dogs. Time and space available is limited. Okay. So I, I, the, the idea of me training dogs, I love training dogs. It's what's created our business. I know people that have, tra that train lots of dogs and have no longer, they no longer train dogs because they burnt themselves out. They took so many on, they became such a chore for them. They'd go on vacation and leave dogs at home. And I, I literally, my one buddy, this was like a really eye-opening thing to me. My one buddy went on this dream trip, on a fly fishing trip out West. And I was oh, so excited to hear about it. And I was, he's a good friend of mine and he trained a lot of dogs. And I asked him, well, what, who, what dog are you bringing with? I didn't expect him to bring every dog he was training. He was draining 15 dogs at the time. Mm -hmm. I didn't expect him to bring them all with. He's going on vacation. But I expected him to bring his one or two that were personal dogs, not clients' dogs, but his own. And he said, are you kidding me? I'm not bringing a single dog. I said, well, what about your dogs? I, won't even, I don't even want to look at a dog. He, want, he was going on vacation to get away from dogs. No burnout about it. And, yeah. yeah, and within a year, he wasn't training dogs anymore. And I could see that coming from a mile away. And I looked at yeah. and I and I've seen, I see that with lots of, lots of situations. Not the, the, I love training the dogs. I, if I had dozens of dogs, if I had 10 dogs, and that's all I did all day was train dogs, I don't know that that would be what, what that's not what I want to do. That, that wouldn't, I, that wouldn't make me happy. Yeah. I love training one, two, three dogs at a time that are at different points in their training. And part of it is because of my time available. Like I work a full-time job, our company, yep. our companies, we've got a couple different brands, you know, our companies require a lot of my time and effort. So I really look at myself differently when it comes to a trainer as a trainer. And it allows me, I think, to connect with and relate with different groups of people than most professional trainers. And I use the word professional trainer loosely because really it just means you're paid to train a dog. Like that's all a professional trainer is, right? So yeah, I, yes, I tech, I am a professional trainer. When you think of most professional trainers, you think of 30 run kennels, 36 run kennels, exactly. you yeah. know, like the guys that train, turn lots of dogs, bring dogs in, have three month, six month, 12 month options for your dogs. I don't have any of that stuff. No, nothing like that. I do it. Nothing like that. When I train a dog for someone, they come, they start with me and I keep them as long as it takes mm -hmm. for the dog to be ready, me to be ready and the owner to be ready. So this kind of goes back to your question, Jeremy, like yep. the answer for me when it comes to training a client's dog is 100% the, there is a importance for not just training the dog, but training the trainer. Yeah. So, so I have to do that or, or it won't work. Now that goes back to our, like our, our whole direction with our business. We are, we are built, we are structured to try to help people train their own dogs. Like my idea, there's a reason why <laughs> there's, we, 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 if you go to our website, we have a training library. It's free. Um, now we've produced some videos. There are some videos in that training library that you can buy. They're very structured. They're well produced. Like we hired a production company and we did, they're real. They really give you a starting point, middle point, finish point and of direction, puppy training video, foundation training video, and a shed training video. We're working on our gun dog and our upland videos. So yeah, and I did. Yeah. So, and we've got them, they're digital and it, you know, they can yep. be digitally downloaded or they can be hard copy DVD. So that's like, that's like 
the traditional way. There's a lot of those out there. I think ours are over three hours long. They're probably not traditional that way. Um, there's a lot there. And so we put a, I put a great amount of effort into it. Then what we have on our training library is playlists of a variety of things, series of dogs that I've trained. I've, I've got multiple series of dogs where I've got a puppy started at eight weeks old, 10 weeks old, 12 weeks old. One we just finished recently was I, I brought the dog in at 11 months old. So it was a totally different thing for me. I don't usually bring them in that late, but I, she had a great start. She had a great head start coming in 11 months and we trained her for a year. So we document it. Now those are free, 100%, like just free videos. Thousands of them on our on our training video. Is that on dogbonehunter.com? Yes. Is that where they're getting yep. them? Yep, and there's a tab called Training Library, and it's new. We just rebuilt our website and put a training library specifically in there because we're like, we got to have a spot to really kind of put these things and, and mm -hmm. organize them. And so yep. we we have thousands of, video, of hours of videos for free. And so if I were a professional trainer that was bidding for your business, would it be wise for me to like just share everything I do and how I do it. Maybe, maybe not. Like I, I, there's mixed feelings on that. I personally feel like, you know what? Some people are just going to pay. Like there's, a, it probably builds demand for people to want to have a dog sent here because they see what we're doing. They like what we're doing. Exactly. But That's what I would think. so I, I, there's that perspective, but then there's the perspective of some people that get upset with me and go, why you shouldn't be giving all that stuff away. That's worth something in your disvalue or devaluing a professional trainer. I am not looking to help trainers. Like I, 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 not, I have nothing against trainers. I, I love the idea of them helping people with dogs, but I recognize not everybody can send their dog off to a trainer. Not everybody wants to send their dog off to a trainer. Our, my idea is the, the reason we do this is to try to maximize the experience of dog owners with their dogs, make it the best possible. The best way for us to impact the most people is this way. It's share right, the certainly. information. Like we have tools. I, I think there are certain tools that make my life a lot easier as a trainer. I've designed some tools that make my life a whole lot easier as a trainer. That's our business. Like that's the part where we generate, that's where we, that's where we keep the lights on is selling the tools, yeah. but the tools won't do you any good if you don't know how to use them. Like I could yeah. give a, I could give a toolbox to a person that's never driven a nail before. And they'll look at me and go, what the hell do I do with this? Well, there are tools that make you a good carpenter. But if you don't know, if you don't know how to become a carpenter and use the tools, they're really not worth anything. So, oh, Yeah, I mean, I, I think a big part of that, in going back into that question, is the fact that I have seen several dogs be sent off to be with a trainer. Again, nothing against trainers, yeah. right? To be with a trainer, come back to the owner who's had minimal interaction with the dog and the trainer, like, oh, we came and picked them up or we spent a couple days with them across six months or whatever yeah. it was, and then the dog just fall apart yeah. because the routine hasn't been able to be carried through. Meanwhile, what you have created is a system to where the owner can be the one that is training the dog, can be the one that's applying these techniques so that they can continue that lifestyle, in, in my opinion, a hell of a lot easier because they're the ones who are walking their dog through it with you virtually, right. essentially, versus, hey, yeah, I shipped my dog off for 12 months. I got it back. And like, yeah, I don't know, man. He just doesn't listen anymore. And it's like, well, yeah, you're not, you're not doing any of the things that he's been trained for for the last 12 months. Right. There's breakdown in consistency. So like yeah. consi consistency is very important. Dogs understand stuff 
by forming habits and habits are formed by repetition and consistency and that trainer and so I think there are really good trainers out there too like I don't I don't want to turn this throw into this you know anti-training thing there's really good trainers out there what I think makes some of the best ones the best is the idea of how they hand the dogs back off and and train trainers like they put it in most of a lot of them will say that that is the very very important part of success and so you you have to have that and it's not that the dog falls apart it's that the dog doesn't know what you want like the dog doesn't speak that language that you are speaking because you're not speaking the same language that the trainer was and so i i think the other part that is really important with it is for me is it's overlooked by by many the part about training them like we we always like seeing dogs do jobs. We were talking earlier. I don't know if we were recording or not, but like concerts, I like seeing people do really well. I like I, I like going to concerts because I like seeing performers that are good perform at a high level. I like seeing skilled people do things in a skilled way. I you know, the, the anything like that. I I like it. So we like the end result. So I like we watching a dog. People want to see the dog work in the field. People want to see the dog behave well at Lowe's. They want to see the dog do good at the park for the kids' soccer game. People really enjoy seeing that end result. Mm-hmm. But what what people don't realize is it's actually a lot of fun getting to that point. Like mm-hmm. obedience is the most overlooked thing in dog training that I think people re- miss out on because – Nobody wants to go through it because it's boring. It takes a long time. It's not sexy. It's not, you know, God, I I hate this. So mundane, routine, blah, blah, blah. I enjoy it. You know, I think that's why people send them off. Like people people just are like, oh yeah, I don't want to do this. I'm going to send them to obedience. You take care, you take care of the shit work and I'll do the fun stuff is what, is what, but you know, and it's, and we're, we, we're guilty as trainers of that because we market it that way. We market the idea of a three-month program gives you this, this, and this. I was just lo- I was looking at websites because I'm looking at genetic stuff. So I look at different websites, looking at breedings and genetics, and I, I, I I'm a, I'm kind of nerdy about pedigrees and stuff. And I was looking at certain websites recently, and I'm always interested in how they how some of these kennels that have breedings that I look at because I'm interested in the genetics. I always just kind of click on training just to see. I'm, I'm always curious. And I th- see a lot of, not all, but I see a lot of packages. You know, three-month package gets you this, this, and this. And it gives you a list of seven things that the dog will do at the end. Six-month package gives you this. It gives you all of the stuff in the three-month plus this, this, and this. And I, I think that I'm not knocking that because I think it's you have to, as a consumer, you got to tell them what they're going to get. And you got to have expectations. I think that it's very difficult to really say that that's what happens because you got to remember we're not taking raw materials of lumber or metal or plastic or and we're not combined we're not putting it into a machine that will produce at a rate of x amount of units per minute and like we're not we're not we don't when you come with a dog we got a live thing here we got a live thing that's been experiencing different things in the environment that impact its progress and process so I'll, to say that, to say that is very challenging for me. I don't feel comfortable doing it, but I I feel like we like the idea of buying the kit. We like the idea of I'll buy the kit dog where it, I I paid this much, it took this long, and it came back with these boxes checked. And some places do it, 
well. Some places probably don't do it that well. I look at it and go, I want to be the guy who buys the parts and pieces and builds it himself. But you know what you need? You need instructions <laughs> because yeah, if that's not exactly. your thing. So, but I, I just, there's a hell of a lot of people out there, surprisingly. There's a lot of people out there that want to do it but don't know how and they're intimidated. And so they they look at it and they talk to their buddy down the road and they go, well, how'd you do it? Well, we sent it to this person. We had really good results. And that's why I, I, I'm not knocking the idea of sending them off. I think you can do it. But I enjoy, I'm not a guy who wants to buy something pre-made. I, wanna, I like, I like yeah. making it. I like making here, stuff I, with certain things. I got a things. couple things to say to catch up with where you're at here, Jeremy. So like, I think uh, to your point about wanting to put the work in uh, as opposed to you know buying, buying a dog that's at a certain point, um, I can say having owned dogs more recently that I've put that amount of effort into that I that I've really worked with from day one, uh, and having previously owned dogs, you know, that were maybe parents' dogs or, or family dogs that like um, I I did you know I was kind of around you know I saw that kind of taking place not maybe to the to the level that I'm doing it you know but they were they were potty trained and we had them in the house yeah. and stuff, and I can tell you that compared to the dogs that I have now and that I've invested, you know, that, that amount of effort into, like, I didn't give a shit about those dogs that we used to have. Like I, <laughs> I didn't, you know, I didn't, yeah. they were just kind of there and it was like, Oh, cool. Hey, you know, lady, you know, great, great dog, golden retriever. She's in the yard type of deal. There was like not anywhere close to the level of connection that I've got with these dogs that I have had serious struggles with that have run away on me dozens of times, Yeah, you know, that I've just like, I've failed over and over again, but, but ultimately have reached a point of like, these are good dogs. You know, they're, they're doing the things that we've worked with up until this point. And it's purely because of that struggle, that frustration, that failure that I experienced with them. Um, that's you know, where that, it gets, that, I that, that connection to. That, that's where that stuff gets built. And that's where that's where that connection is is forged in those through those tough times right. and 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 the good times. And well, do you think about it like a wife? It's like I'm gonna just order a, a prefab wife, and it's like she, she shows up, and it's like here we go, we've got this this well, ultimate bond. And it's, yeah, it's, well, sure. <laughs> and I'm not I'm not saying you can't make that work. Like obviously, there are people that you train dogs for that ultimately are successful with their dogs. But yeah. I would say their connection to those dogs, generally speaking you know, aren't going to at least start off as strong as if they had done that work themselves. Sure. And, yeah. and here, I want to say one more thing before we lose track of it in regards to um, your business model and like kind of how you approach putting content out there. Because I think, I think Jeremy and I agree. I, I think, I think transparency is awesome. I, not only do I think you're not hurting trainers, I think you are benefiting them by setting a bar for them and by answering a lot of the, the questions that um, people shouldn't be asking. Like, like my, my example of this is that, so by you putting out this whole content library, some of these trainers might say, well, you're giving away all the secret sauce. Like how am I supposed to make a living? When in reality, I think all of, you know, I'll say all trainers would be better, at least good trainers, genuinely, you know, high level trainers who I think is who mm -hmm. we, we want to see anyways would benefit by all of those FAQs being answered right out of the gate and for people to come to them with expert level questions because they've already covered all the fundamentals. You know, and so by, by putting all that content out there, you've got a higher class of dog owners who have a relationship with their dogs and, and have a base level of understanding. Dude, there's always going to be a place for experts. It, you know, in the same way if a lawyer put out 
you know, an entire webinar, you know, on, on how to accomplish X, Y, Z in the, you know, the field of law, I'm, I still need a lawyer. Totally. Like, I, I'm, you know, I'm going to try to learn all that stuff or a physical trainer, dude. I'm okay. I understand X, Y, Z. I still need this person. To yeah, you push at least me understand the, the fundamentals to ask the right questions at the expert level. That's right. And, and so I think you're really raising the bar for like, you know, what a trainer should be and the baseline level of what people who are looking for that service should, should come to you with. Yep. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I, you know, I think that there's never, there's never going to be the need for trainers is never going to go away. Like, like I look at, like I look at like dog owners. I, I, I probably help a percentage of dog owners in general. Then you can break it down to micro it down a little bit and be like, okay, hunting dog owners. And then you can micro, micro it down a little bit. You can get all the way niche to shed dog people. Like that's, that's really taking a big pool of people and narrowing it down to a real, really relatively small group. And so I, I look at, I, my goal with it is my hope with it is to help the percentage of people that are interested in doing it this way. Like I, I'm, I'm not trying to change people's minds. I'm not trying to change people's thoughts when it comes to ultimately their route or direction they take with a dog. And, and most people will recognize that, like from a trainer's perspective, they they realize, look, there's m- most trainers that, that, are, that do a good job and are, are doing well with everything within their business. They're full anyway, and they can't take any more dogs. So it's not taking away from anybody. I don't think it's taking away from anybody. I think what it's it doing is not. it's facilitating a different group of people that aren't going to send their dogs to trainers anyway. And so the the other option is they don't get the information that we're trying to share, and they're really disappointed with their dog, or they go to the Humane Society with them. Like if if I can say anything, our goal would be hopefully we keep we make relationships better for people that are training their own dogs. We hope that, I hope we improve that that dynamic. I hope we make people happy because they're enjoying it more and getting more out of it. I hope we make dogs happy because they're not getting dropped off on the end of a dead end road or dropped off at the Humane Society or on Facebook of free to a good home type thing because I can't handle you. Because the, it's none yeah. of that is the dog's fault. It's always going to come back to the handler and so or yeah. the, the owners and Sorry. trainers. So okay. I'm interrupt interrupting, but dude, I can say from personal experience, like for me, like you, you definitely have done that. Um, it, you know, it's not that, um, you know, Buckley's my older Brittany Spaniel. I've got a younger one too named Gunner and, uh, it's, you know, we would have found our own path, you know, and I, and I would have, we, we, we would have, you know, figured it out, sure. I, I guess, you know, but you know, as soon as we, we got that as soon as we got Buckley and even before that I started kind of doing research about like, you know, what, what would be fun? Like what are some things that I'd love to achieve? Like, you know, with this dog and ultimately how's that going to shape our relationship and stuff. And that, so that's how, and I know, I think you guys had somewhat of a mutual connection mm-hmm. even before that, but so I knew where to go. I started seeking out, um, you know, products and content. Uh, and I talked to you, I think personally, whether it was at a trade show or yeah, on yep. Facebook and stuff. And like you were, you know, not, cool enough to write me back and uh dude that set us on a course of like um i, I kind of had a, a program like I, I had a rough idea of like how to start with this thing and like the the difference between me being the one setting the puppy down you know and if he's if he's acting up you know at a i'm referencing some of your like puppy training yeah, stuff you know yeah. it's, it's totally. starting with a sock and eventually moving yep. to the to the rubber antler like all yep. these things that we did yeah 
And you uh, had a goal. I mean, you wanted. My goal was to get that dog to find shedding. There you go. That was the goal. And he did it. We did it. Yeah. yeah. And I think along that process, though, you also corrected a lot of what could be behavioral issues had they been let go. Oh, 100%. When, and I think, Jeremy, a lot of your stuff that you put out there is what helped me get that right the first or second time as opposed to the fifth or sixth time or even not even until the second or third dog. Like, I, that first dog that I trained with is fine and shed antlers. He can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I didn't send him out. I didn't lose a year of, like, the relationship with that dog to do it. And, we, and yeah. I, so I know what his flaws are. I know, you know, I know yeah. that dog well. Yeah, I think this is a really good conversation for me because it makes me think a little bit differently about stuff too. And I and so I feel like one thing for sure I want to put out there is because I know there's going to be people that listen to this that go, should I feel bad because I'm sending my dog to a trainer? No, not at all. Like I think it fit, certain things fit for certain people. And so I don't think that that's bad at all. I think, and, and I'm not trying to talk someone out of it, but there's a lot of people that aren't going to have that option. Like they don't have that trainer, they don't have those finances, or they, they don't they want they don't just want they don't have that desire to. They want to do it differently. I think what what's interesting is I'm th- listening to you talk, Jared, and I'm like, you know, I've I've picked up a lot of information over the years. Like you've like you latched onto some of our content and it gave you an understanding and it helped you understand the direction you wanted to go and I hate calling it a program because I don't think we have a program I think we share a bunch of information and and some of it works for certain people and some of it doesn't so and that's a that's on us to sift through and figure out what what to apply I'm in the same boat like I've 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 read a ton of books I've watched a bunch of videos I've read all sorts of articles I've studied trainers I've been I've spent time with trainers um some very much like I want to adopt that. I want to bring that into what I'm doing with the dogs. Some I've looked at and go, it's not for me. That's not not going to work for me because it's not a combination of things. Might not work for my dog style of dog. Doesn't fit my personality. So there's I've taken this whole whole bunch of stuff and tried to like pick and pick the parts and pieces that work for me and and create my own style with it. I feel like there's a, there's a I'm thinking back on it and going there's a a bunch of them I could think of that I wish they shared way more than they do because it would have helped me become a better trainer. I understand why they don't. Uh, it's a hell of a lot of work. Like they, they are, their business is training dogs. Their business is not providing stuff to train dogs with and information yeah. on how to do it. So they, I understand why they didn't. It's why it's probably why I do it the way we do it is because that is not what I'm lobbying for. I'm not looking for you to send your dogs to me. I'm not looking for you to sponsor me. I'm not looking for you to, I, I don't want any of that stuff. I don't need, I, that's, not, that's not how we do it. What I really want is for people that have the desire to train their own dog, have more in-depth tools than just the surface stuff that I got out of the, out of the books. The books and the videos and the stuff that I've gotten, I'm not discounting it. I think it's been super valuable. It just hasn't given me enough to become good i had to like put a ton of experimenting into it to get good at it that took well, yeah that's, i think that's it's wor- the resource limitation right i mean because ultimately those guys don't want the quote-unquote proprietary information sure to go out because that's why people are giving them the dogs you're looking at it and and just go back on your reference of like a dave ramsey's side of things yeah financial peace entrepreneur uh, entre leadership however you want to look at it 
to say, I want to reach as many people and I want to enable them yeah. to be able to do this themselves. Dude, there, there's a word for that. I don't know what it is, but, but there's a there's a type of, it's like famine thinking or something like that. There, there's a type of methodology around people who don't want to share like this quote unquote proprietary. I mean, dude, do you think Dave Ramsey is struggling to get clients? No. And do you know how many hours and hours and hours of proprietary content yeah put right, out. right. And i just for the same reason we've seen you jeremy like rise, rise to the top here it's like you're, you're sharing all of this information like there's nothing pr- proprietary that you're not willing to, to give to people and i think what we're pointing out here is like dude there there is always going to be a need for expert level advice that's because it's not a blueprint right every case situation is just a little bit different if yeah. you give me the information i need yeah. to do it it'll get me going but there's always going to be the hey jeremy my dog's doing this or I'm having this and it's not going to be, well, go check out section one, a B number three. Like it's right. not a blueprint, yeah. right? It's just give me the guardrails right. to get me going. And, and that's got, where what I'm yeah. saying is in regards to like your, your, like the, the comment around trainers and stuff. And I know we're, we're up in other industries cause I think it's applicable too, but like absolutely there is a place for trainers, but wouldn't all trainers like for, owners of these dogs to have some level in, of investment or to come to them with a stand, like a, a baseline level of of input on their dogs or, or even of knowledge so that you can not answer the you know waste your time essentially answering those faqs like let's get into this high level stuff yeah i could be i look at it and that's one way of thinking about it i look at it and go i don't have time to think about that like i don't i don't know what other people want i don't know what other trainers want i don't know like it's, that's not my motivation my motivation is this gal that sent me a message last night that I'm going to do a, we're going to do a podcast episode about it and I'm going to entitle it the wherefore and the why. Like that's a Gordon Lightfoot song, by the way, that is pretty solid, but the, the, the understanding why you're doing it. And, and so this, this lady, this gal sent me this message and I, I had notes on my phone. Like I, I made this note of doing this episode a long time ago and I'm trying to organize it now to get stuff cranked out. But that she wanted she started out with hunting dog like they wanted a hunting dog and facebook messaged i mean i've got i looked back on it i got 30 messages back and forth with her over the last year and it literally was almost a year ago today and so the last message that she sent me was a video of her son and her little i think she's got a little daughter and a son that's probably i don't know five six years old and they're walking down a aisle and the little one's in the cart and the um, five, six-year-old boy is holding on to a lead th- with this dog and she's got another lead on the dog and they're walking down a store. It's like Home Depot or something. And the message with that one was the first time I got a message that wasn't hunting dog related. It wasn't questions. It, it started out panic. Like early on, it was panic type questions. We got her kind of worked through it and got her on track and whatever. And things were going along. Progress was being made. And then the last message was, my son was recently uh, diagnosed autistic. And this this dog because of the foundation the same foundation i was not talking about training a dog to help with autism i was talking about training a dog that's going to go and hunt for them so this the foundational stuff that was necessary to do the hunting stuff which is where we were talking about for the last 12 months she said to me i am able so we've we've she's had some breakthrough stuff with this son and the kid freaks out a little bit, I guess, kind of has some tantrums type stuff. The dog comes over and puts pressure on the son's legs and the kid settles down. The kid doesn't want to read stuff. So the dog lays next to him and the kid will read stuff. So there's some issues there that the dog is helping that have nothing to do with hunting. But 
all of our questions up until this point where I found this out was all hunting stuff. And so, but their issues were not hunting issues. Their issues were they didn't have a foundation to build off of. So we got to build, right. the, we got to build the foundation first. It's the exact same foundation that's helping them in something unrelated to hunting, but a much bigger impact. I had a much bigger impact on that family's life than them finding a dozen sheds this year. And yeah. I didn't even intend it to be that way. And they didn't intend it to be that way. But all of a sudden, that is the result of it. So I look at this and I go, bigger picture for me is not the idea of have a dog that wins lots of ribbons, has a dog, have a dog that is impressed, impresses my buddies when we go hunting. Right. Like those are, those are, that's icing on the cake, man. That's top level stuff that is great and it'll come. But there's so many other things that I look at it and I go, there, there's the reason. That's why we do it. And well, so yeah, I can just exactly call those examples of it. We were talking about thing in regards to building a lifestyle around stuff. Like mm-hmm. that's exactly what I was saying. It's like, yeah, you might want to win a lot of blue, uh, blue ribbons or you might want to impress your buddies. But like, look at all those stuff that you just addressed, you know, that came in and you weren't even expecting. Yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of proof. And, of and so sharing stuff like sharing stuff the way we do it, you know, I, I, I'm honored to even be <laughs> for. Flynn, for you to even say something about like a comparison of some degree to like what what Ramsey does, and I know you weren't making a comparison to me to Ramsey, but like, no, but, it, I, but I look, but it, I mean, the fundamentals of what you're doing and the style of what you're doing is the exact same pathway that Ramsey impacts millions of people. Right, exactly, and I so I look at that and I go, man, I my business is, I bought a Ramsey book, like he just came out with another book. I mean, it's the number one selling book right now. And so it's, you know, he's got a, well, of course. Yeah. And he's got a ton and he's done a ton of them and he's done, he he sells stuff. Don't get me wrong. He sells stuff. So, but I bought that book. I bought the most recent one. I didn't buy the hard copy. I audibled it, but I, but, but I, I bought that book because, and and I listened to it and I liked it. It was timing wise. Uh, I, Faith is an important part of my life, and timing things happen, I don't think, accidentally, right? So it was a good book for the time of my life, and I think that was all meant to be. And so, but I look at the reason I bought that book, after listening to it, I realized I didn't need to buy that book. Like, I all I, I could have listened to, he's got thousands of episodes of podcasts. He's got tons yeah. of YouTube stuff out there. There's so much information that he's put out there. I got out of that book it's just another version or like you're saying another little story with a little twist off of it the same message the takeaway i don't i didn't need that book to become better at what i'm trying to do but what i what i the reason i bought and i but i enjoyed the book it was concise it was structured it was to the point it yep. hit it drove home a few real solid little dingers for me but the the thing about it was i bought it because i listened to thousands of podcasts from him for free and i looked at it and i went shit man i owe the guy a book like i i i felt a little bit little bit like you know what his stuff is good i have confidence in it i'm gonna spend the whatever it was it wasn't that much money and and i'm not the only one trust me he's got a lot of he does pretty well and so he's giving (laughs) away a ton of stuff but people are also supporting him for what he's doing and i i that's why i did it so We've talked about him too much for me not to say this. <clears throat> this is this is pretty cool. Um, so Corey Horn is a, a yep. good, good friend of mine. He's, he's been on some of the earlier podcasts. Uh, came out to Illinois with us last year and stuff. 
consider him an older older brother of mine. Mm-hmm. I was talking to him yesterday, <clears throat> and uh, Ramsey's group reached out to him, having heard that podcast that he's producing for those guys uh, at, at the college or whatever. Yep. And they want him to interview for like the executive director position of of a podcast that they're doing. Really? What? Sweet. I don't know if it's the podcast. Yeah, I don't want to like. Yeah. Don't hold me the fire on the exact facts of it, but it's not, yeah, it sounds like they'd like him to, to be involved with with some of Ramsey's awesome. projects. Well, he's uh, Corey lives in Nashville, and and that's sure. is a producer Ramsey's by trade. Right outside of there, right. Mm-hmm. that's right. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I I just think that there the the dog training stuff, bigger picture, is. It's not so. It's not so like step by step type stuff. I, there is there are parts of it, and I think that's the difference between mechanics. And we I think we talked about this a little bit before. Yep. Mechanics are part of it. You have to know how to do it. Like you have to know how to operate the machine. You got to know how to like. Timing is very important. Tools are very important. Those are all mechanical things that make yep. your life easier and make 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 get results. And, yeah. But there's also the other part of it that I think is that's the part that you get from working with the dog. You can't develop trust, feel, and connection if you don't have the dog on the other end of the lead. And so yeah. that's the part that trainers, professional trainers, are very good. And I, I, I think they have become very good at creating the, 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 the package. But I, but I also think that there's a lot of people that don't aren't going to interested in that aren't going to be able to do that for various reasons and so my hope is to help those because that's who I am you know I'm 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 trying to I'm trying to help the people that are the same that are similar to me from the perspective of man I really enjoy training the dog I, I've got a couple puppies right now that over the years the last I can say this the last I started training professionally like getting paid for it I was out of college um, I trained some dogs through college of my own personal dogs got pretty good that's where people came to me and were like hey would you do this for my dog and yeah I guess and I just did it like a little side job cash stuff and I started doing that in 2003 and so from there I took a couple more took a couple more got to the point where with my wife and you can ask her there was a really hard conversation that we sat down and said what are we doing here and how can we change it because it was creating stress in our house it and it boiled down to it boiled down to you're running the we're, we're doing this business we're doing this family and we're doing another business with training dogs we had seven dogs here and i i was like there's too many dogs i don't even enjoy doing it i don't like training the dogs and I was, when as soon as i started feeling like i didn't want to train those dogs anymore I had to get through those dogs, change my attitude, get through those dogs, and then take three instead of seven. And then take, now I take two or one, and I love doing it more and more and more. Like, I can't wait to get another puppy. Like, I've got, that, you know, 10, 15 years ago when I was, I, I was going, ugh. How quickly can I get through this with this dog? And I'm dr- when do I have to get the next puppy in here? And my attitude sucked about it. And it created less, res- less positive results. And so now I'm looking at it and going, man, this is the key. Well, how many people at home are training seven puppies at once? Right. Most of them have one and are having a hard time. Yeah, that's, that's it? That's all you have? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, most people are training one and having a hard time or two and having a hard time. And I go, man, I can help those people so much easier now because my approach has changed. And I, I just relate I relate to them differently. 
Yeah, it's relatable. Sorry about that. Um, dude, I think that... Uh, I think what you're hitting on something there, at least that, <clears throat> that I really agree with, is like, I think it's so important to like, to really try to build a lifestyle around things that you really enjoy doing. Uh, and, and I, I sympathize with those people that, that can't, you know, or, or aren't there yet necessarily. Well, cause Jeremy, you, you mentioned something earlier about like your, your construction job and yeah. how that affected your life, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> and even the seven, the, the dogs or whatever it is. And I realized that probably the primary reason that people are stuck in those positions is that they have responsibilities. And I certainly have a lot of respect for people who, you know, do jobs every day that they hate to, to you know, to feed their kids or to support their family. Yeah. And that's one thing, but, but man, you know, there's something special that comes from people who are able to, to navigate through that and ultimately get to a, a place in life where they're, they're doing things that they're, that they're truly passionate. They about. love to, you work too much in life to not, at least enjoy it, hopefully yeah. love it, right? The, the people that I've seen, um, you know, and, and my dad will be one. Like I, like, I know he loved doing construction and remodeling. I also know it was extremely hard on his body. Yeah. And, like, so I would look at him and say, Dad, like, how, like, I know you like some of this stuff, but you don't love it, right? You have to get to a place where you spend so much time in life working, and that's, to be honest, that's kind of why I turned out the way I did is that I did construction with him a lot and I did landscaping and physical work and things like that growing up and out of high school and college. And it was like, he was like, listen, man, you don't want to do this the rest of your life. So you better get your shit straight now and figure out what you love to do and then figure out how you can make money at it. Because if you go through life working and doing stuff that you don't like, you'll eventually realize that you don't like your life and that's not a good place to be. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Like, and I, I loved, I loved construction. I, I absolutely loved it. It was a good living. Um, my, my dad, my grandpa was a carpenter. My dad was a carpenter. My dad was in construction his entire life. My grandpa retired 50 some years in the carpenters union. Like that, that was a family thing. That was an ingrained mm-hmm. thing. And, and I loved it. But my body didn't hold up. I literally had to have some back surgeries pretty early on. Um, I got the lifestyle for me was being was becoming really hard. I was traveling a lot. Like I was in a position where I had to go on the road a lot. It didn't work good for my family. And so, but like, I, I'm not like I, I don't want to paint the picture of like play with puppies all day as a dog trainer because that, that's not me. That's not what we do. I, I say that, and I've got to whelping box with a couple puppies in the back and so i that's the that's a real that's a real bonus for me for the next couple weeks because i get to we we worked really hard to create this breeding to line this breeding up it took we've had the puppies we've had a lot of struggles with it um and to get to this point but i just enjoy at night i call i posted on our instagram we're having happy hour like happy hours look different these days happy hour for me is my daughter who's three gets to hold these puppies and socialize and pet these puppies and like that's a i love that part right i don't i couldn't do that all day i couldn't do that with three or four litters at a time i i just that wouldn't be enjoyable to me so and, and it wouldn't it wouldn't be reasonable i couldn't do that we're not built that way that's not our business i do think that the, it's it's important for people to realize like our business is more outdoors which is 
Dogbone is one of our brands. Hodig is one of our brands. We've got a couple other different brands. I there's a I love the life that we have. I love what I do. 85% of the stuff I do, I don't like. I, I don't like... Like, I enjoyed these. I don't like that I just got a text message from a guy that I realized I was supposed to write an, a, a, for an article for him. And so I just looked at my phone and I go, shit, I forgot that. It's due today. That's fine. I'll get it out. It's not a big thing. But I don't like that pressure of that. I don't, yeah. like, I don't like the fact that down at the shop today, we have to deal with three different suppliers that are struggling to get us key components to our packaging. So we're going to have a couple conference calls on that. I don't like the fact that my partner and I had to spend the last three days going through re reviews of 2021 and projections for 2022. And I've got a list of meetings that we have to set up out of that. Like, I don't like that part. I, it's, a gr it's a grindy type feel. And I hate yep. the I hate the idea of people saying it's a grind, it's a grind, it's a grind, and like tout that as a badge of honor. If it's a yeah. grind, don't do it. Like I I look at it and I go, my job. There are parts of it that I don't like. There are parts of it that I'm not crazy about, but there are also parts that I really do like. And then there are the results that I like, and there's results that I don't like. And in order to get the results that I like, we're going to have to suck it up and do some of the stuff we don't like. We're, and that is the majority of it. When you do that, it allows for the opportunities to get those things that I do like. You know, I do like going out and I've got an English setter puppy right now. It's 13 weeks old. And part of my day has to be I got to work with that little dog because we're filming a new series with her. And I got to train her. Like, she's got to get trained. So it's something I very much look forward to. I go, I got, I don't like the fact that I have to text the guys down at the shop to say, get your camera stuff ready because I got a window here in the next 20 minutes where we're going to be able to spend 30 minutes outside and get this film. I don't like that part of it. I would prefer to just take the dog go outside and work her, but then nobody that watches our stuff benefits. Right. Nobody. It's I don't, not, I don't help anybody. I'm being too cheesy here, but it's like raising a dog. It's like training a dog, right? Like it's like a, there's all these stuff that you don't want absolutely, to do. but ultimately, you know, you're you're trying to grow these businesses for for an objective, and along the way, you're learning how to manage all of these different suppliers, like how to balance all these projections. Yeah. it's like letting the dog out in the winter, you know. Yeah, going to find him when he runs away, like all of these things. Yeah, nobody likes it when you got to clean the poop up because they had an accident. Right. Nobody likes that part, right. but that's also that's part of it. And so we just we just I do think that you. You should find something. Don't think that there's something out there that's always everything's great because there's nothing. There's that nothing like sense. that. Professional athletes, like I think we look at like well-highlighted people and go, if I could only live that life. The musicians. I, I'm envious of musicians, man. That lifestyle. How cool is that? How great is that? How great is it to be away from your family? How great is it to have to deal with temptations and things? I mean, you, you see so many musicians melt down, cave into different stuff out there. I don't think they like that part. Like that's not the no. that's not the great part, but it's it comes with it. So you have to figure out like you have to you have to realize whatever you do, you really have a, a lot of say on whether or not it's fun for you or not. And like the sh so the shit that I don't like, the parts that I don't like in the shop, it I make up for it because I like the people I'm doing it with. Right. Like I really enjoy the people I work with. 
And so we can take a really crappy situation and make a joke out of it. And at the end of the day, realize, you know what? It ain't going to sink us. We'll get through it. We're just going to have to think of a different way to do it. Same is true when the dog makes a mistake. I can get really pissed off about it, really fired up about it, really angry at the dog, really upset with myself. I could take, I could approach it that way, or I could laugh at it. And I've, I've literally gotten to the point when the dog does things wrong, instead of my reaction being what it used to be which would be maybe snap i've gotten into this habit where i go thousand one thousand two thousand three it's internal i say it in my head i count to three and by the time i make and it took a lot for me to like do this but by the time i literally make my brain say thousand one thousand two thousand three i remember why i'm doing it it's because your your hot temper is getting in the way of productivity. So that's why I have to do this. By the time I get through with the three, I realize it really wasn't that big of a deal. It wasn't as big of a deal as I thought it was before I counted to one, two, three. So I'm going to adjust and I'm going to approach it differently. I'm going to respond to it differently. And then I kind of laugh at myself and go, are you kidding me? You got to freaking laugh. You got to count to three. You're working with a little puppy. You, yeah. you really can't keep your cool to work with this little puppy. So I almost like, whoa, it's kind of a reminder of me, man, come on. And so, yeah. then, so then I get myself back into the mindset. I get myself back in the state of mind and I've suddenly become productive. And when you look at the big picture of that, I go, there's a lot of times where we could set ourselves back because of idiotic decisions and moves that we make that are real irrational and real reflex and real knee jerk in the wrong way. I think timing yeah. is important in training, but you got to use it the right way. I think a lot of things come through, whether it's training, life, etc. <clears throat> you go back on your kind of issues and mistakes and flaws. Like there are so many things that I've gotten better overall in all aspects of life because of a mistake than the success leading to more success. Right? It's the mistakes that really say, "Okay, I did it this way, and that didn't work out." Now, how do I fix that and actually succeed from it versus, oh, I was successful here. Now, how do I become more successful? Right. Um, you know, and, and I think a lot of people look at it that way, you know, whether it's taking your dog out in the field and, and being like, man, like I, clearly like the shed's right there. Like, how did they not find it? And, and looking at it as like a complete failure and like now like just write it off versus, OK, like, the, you know, maybe the dog's just amped up because it's wintertime and it's been cooped up in the house for weeks at a time and like it's finally gets loose in a field and it's like freedom. Like, yeah. I just want to go, you know? And the fact that it ran right past the shed is not the dog's fault. It's just like, it finally right. has some time to expend the energy. Right. Right. And that, and that now you're starting to talk like specifics of training and we train for that. And we, we understand that those are the variables. And so we prepare for it. Like I took a puppy out yesterday and we filmed a, I wanted to do some heel work with her. It's the second day of doing heel work with her. And so we were going to do that, but I had a question from someone who asked, sent me an this message and said, I never see you working your puppies with your older dogs. Do you do that? Do you allow free time to play? So I, I said, well, we're out here. We got the cameras. We're going to knock out that question. And we're going to knock out heel work because we're not going to put the dog up. I normally would say, so what my answer to that person was, yeah, I do it, but it's got to have a good cultural impact. You got to have good dogs that you introduce them with. It can't be a free for all. You can't lose control. I talked about taking the dogs for a walk to get energy out, release energy in a positive way because they need that physical part. But then also the idea of then roping them back in and having them think 
you know, I got heel work requires her to think about her feet, think about her position. It's not just free running and being an athlete. So I had to like address all that stuff at once. Well, if you don't think about that ahead of time, you'll run into exactly what you just said. Your, your dog's been cooped up. You take the dog out and the dog just wants to blow, blow up and explode and release energy. Well, that's not the right time to go ask the dog to think and be critical and be detail-oriented with footwork and positioning. But it's also not the best thing to go run them like crazy to burn energy off and have them be non-thinkers because now they're just better athletes and now they're just more conditioned and it's harder to get them tired. So it's yep. it's finding balance with both. And I just think that that is a really <clears throat> big thing of our 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 approach to training and our mentality has to understand that um, and then be acting on it. It's funny to hear Jeremy describe things that I see in my dogs that like I'm aware of, but it's, it's interesting to hear you say that. But the one that came to mind specifically there is my, my younger dog, uh, Gunner is like three. And when we leave him in the crate for longer than we typically do, he is that way. He want he's ready to explode. And he's running, he's run away a, a fair amount. Sure. He's gotten much better, you know, in recent years. But like when he was one and two years old, when we keep him in the crate for, for longer than usual, he's gone. That, yeah. And that's the time. And, and I know that. And so I kind of had to adapt and, right. you know, we, we do collars now at that point, but yeah, but <laughs> it, it's, it's funny because I mean, it, you know, like my, my dogs don't shed hunt. So I have, and I was going to kind of get into this and I didn't know how to transition into like all of this, like. You know, I think a lot of people think of labs, right? When they think shed dogs, they think labs. Obviously, you have Brittany's. I know you talked about that, too. Like, I've got a Catapula, which is a freaking, like, the dog's got to drive to hunt. Like, I mean, you get him on a trail, and, like, his his brain is wired to hunt and then usually kill. Like, that's just, that's just kind of how he's set up. And it's really cool to watch him. I mean, when he gets on a scent trail, it's, like, unbelievable how, like, just focused he is. But, like, I'll see it, like, if I have, and it sounds stupid, but, like, I've got chickens. Like, if a chicken gets out of the pen or, or out of the coop, he will sniff that chicken down, and then he will kill it. Sure. And it, I've never seen a dog's mentality. Like, he's the sweetest dog. But he's amazing with my kids, and he listens to me. But when he gets on a scent trail like that, his brain is wired. I don't know how to snap him out of sure. it. Sure. Um, and it's, and I, I guess I bring that up, Jeremy, because it's, it's like the – it's an untraditional breed compared to what most people are dealing with, you know, whether it's a spaniel or a lab, you know, the catahoula is essentially a hound dog, right? Yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, they use it in, if people aren't familiar with it, it's the Louisiana state dog, right? They use it for, you know, baying hogs and like, you know, tracking down hogs in the swamps and deer in the swamps and stuff. And so yeah. like here I bring them to Pennsylvania and like, you know, he, he's just, it's inert in him, in his breed to be a hunter. Um, and I've really tried to work with him on it, but you know, there's certain things that just, you know, he snaps. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, look at, he gets in a that's one example of one breed. Look at, uh, I've got an English setter. You know, you could look at a pointer. You yep. could look at, you could look at these, yep. look at these bird dogs, these traditional bird dogs, the same exact story that you just said, a, a owner of those dogs could recite that. And just instead of kill the chickens, it's as soon as they get on birds, there's no, th there's no interrupt him anymore. Their brain is completely focused. The same conversation, the, the beagle guy would say this, could say the same thing about running rabbits. The lab, the Labrador guy could say the same thing about a bird that flies and falls and the dog wants to go retrieve it and break. Like the symptoms are different. Like the steadiness issue is the retriever. 
So dogs aren't naturally steady. So we have mm-hmm. to create that. But they they are naturally they mark naturally. They see predator prey. They go and they retrieve naturally. We don't train them to retrieve. That's been bred into them. We polish it up to fit specifically what we want. The beagle tracks naturally. We don't we don't train them to track. But if all the bear hound is the same way, the the guy that runs coyotes with his dog, the setter. I don't train the dogs to point. And I don't train them to find birds. I put them in position to develop what's in, inherent. So exact same story, just a different twist on it based on the breed and the specific situation. I look at all of those and I go, I get it. And that's reason why we bought them. 99% of the time we buy them for purpose. Like we, we, you know, you getting the Catahoula and not using it for traditional hunting stuff is a little bit unordinary. Like that's like the person that bought the, um, you know, the Irish setter and quit hunting with it because they're so beautiful. Well, the Irish setter is a hard dog to find a field line in these days because they become, they were so pretty. People bought them and didn't hunt with them and bred them for looks. And so Mm -hmm. the priority of their makeup was bred out over years. So that's just one example. But so, but I look at it and I go, do I look at dogs and I go, we're not in the 1600s, the 1500s, the 1700s when the development of breeds was really taking place to do certain tasks. We're not in that time zone anymore. Like we don't live in that life. We don't need the dogs to do our jobs for most of us. Some people yep. do. The canine guys, the handler guys, the you know, the police, the, yep. the, the scent detections, they do. Like some people build their career on their on their dogs. The guides, the outfitters, they do. So but I look at this and I go, for me and for the people that I think we're helping with training and a really big percentage of dog owners in general, family dogs are going to be the priority first. Mm-hmm. The hunting part of it for some people is very important as well, but it's, it's not as important. Like if you have the, if you have a dog, like the average family, the Labrador Retriever is the most popular breed. It's been for yep. a long time. The average family that owns a lab and hunts more than two or three weekends a year is probably a really, there's a big drop off. There's a lot of them that hunt them a couple weekends a year, but there's a lot of them that out there. And so the majority of them are family dogs first. All of my hunting dogs, I hunt way more than, I I hunt way more than the average. I, my dogs are all family dogs first. And so, but I, but I, I live, but I'm a trainer and I live, I have an understanding that in order for my dogs to do the stuff I want them to do in the field, in order for that Labrador to be steady when there's action and birds working decoys and shotguns going off, in order for them to be steady, they have to understand sit and stay. In order for them to deliver a dummy to me they, or a bird for me, they got to understand to recall. They have to come back to me. When I go and do stuff with them, they have to have all those skills. There are not a lot of them but they have to have them. It's also it's the same skills that make them good family dogs that make them good field dogs. It's just there's work that gets put into place, more layers that get added to the field dog specific to the field. But you have to start in the center of the ball. You can't work on the outer layers. The center is that foundation. It's that center that allows us to go in any direction we want. Go, go to the hospital 
or go to like an old folks home or go to a school. We go to this school that has kids that have cognitive disabilities, autism, different, different things that they're struggling with. We take our dogs there and do presentations. My wife took one of our dogs who's the mascot for Whitetails Unlimited. She's the hunting dog of hunting dogs. She's a, she's a hunting dog. She hunts everything. My wife has her certified. She's a, a therapy dog. So she can go to any of these places with by rights with with this card and all this stuff. She's gone through this testing, which is which is, to be quite honest with you, it's a, maybe a little bit tougher than an AKC good citizenship. Like it's just obedience, and yeah. so it allows her to do things like help these that that person that sent me the message. They have a dog that's helping their son who's got autism. It's the same skills that are going to help that dog go shed hunting. It's going to it's the same skills that are going to allow you to train that dog to go shed hunting that are necessary to do all of that. And so I look at these things as instead of like a four-wheeler that you park in the shed when the season's done, instead of like a tractor and a implement to plant food plots, that's those all things those things all have their place. But my dog is not that. And so my dog needs to have a lot more and my and my dog is not a piece of mechanical equipment my dog right. is not robotic it's not programmed by a technician that puts in all the information and then gives me the computer and says here click on this click on that click on this and it will give you the input or the output like that's mm. not the way they are there's yeah. there's so much more depth to them and because they're living creatures and they've got there's a lot of variables, a whole bunch of them. And then you take that all out, you take that all into consideration. There are a lot of variables. So am I. And so is the environment we put each other in. Yeah. God damn, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that gotta line up there. Yeah. No, and I think that's where, you know, and maybe people are quick to um, judge the dog, right? When you see a dog and you're like, geez, like, what's wrong with that dog? It's not the dog necessarily. It's for the sure. environment. It's the owner. It's everything that it's put into. And I feel bad for. Uh, there's a lot of dogs that I'm seeing. I'm like, man, like that's obvious. Like that dog could be a great dog, yeah. but in the environment it's in and help, you know, it's in a kennel ten hours a day because the owners are at work. Like yeah. there's so many things that add up that it's like it's not the dog's fault. Yeah, and and even stuff like that. That example, like my dogs stay in the, my my dogs lay on their beds. All day. Yep. They're in there. I just had a guy ask me, I want to know how many hours your dogs are in the crate and on place. That's, and, and I, like, yeah, it, there's a ton, a ton of hours like that. If yep. they're not with me under control, they're in on their place or they're in their kennel. That's 24 hours mm. a day. That's 24 hours a day. And so yep. some people will look at that and go, well, that's not fair. That's, and I look at it and I go, well, it was like that when they were puppies. It goes back to this live like today so I can live and give like, you know, yep. no other tomorrow. The puppies got three options with me under supervision in their place or on their kennel. That's it. And that, that varies based on lots of things schedule wise. My older dogs, <laughs> one's on a bed over there and one's on a bed over here and they've been there all morning and they're going to be there all day. They have all the freedom in the world, but you know what? Yeah. They understand how to make the right choice and they understand how to make the right choice and not get into trouble so that they don't have to go in their crates or kennels because they already did that. And I built this expectations and they understand to follow those expectations and I trust them and it took time. But now I look at it and I go, well, I can leave the house. No problem with them. So right. people, people want that to start out with, 
Well, that's not realistic because if you put a little kid in a room full of toys and candy and say, don't make a mess, it won't happen because those little kids aren't mature enough to, and they don't have the right, they don't have the right experiences to make the right decisions. And so you can't expect that out of them. It's having realistic expectations as a handler. Interesting, man. I bet you're a great dad, Jeremy. Well, <laughs> uh, I'm a better dad because of training dogs. I'm sure of it. That's wild. I'm sure of it. But you know what? I'm not perfect. And and I will be the first person to say I'm far from perfect. Okay. Like I will be the first person to say that you don't, you guys get to hear these conversations and I try to model my life around what we're talking about, but I slip up because old Jeremy <laughs> with the red beard gets a little upset sometimes too. And then all of a sudden, it, and then all of a sudden I go and I have to remind myself and go, damn it. Now I just set myself back. Because yeah. I didn't, because I didn't practice what I preach. I, I'm not, perf- yeah. I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm, I'm far from it. I make a whole sh- tons of mistakes, and, but instead of beating myself up over it, or instead of hiding it, instead of feeling vulnerable at the idea of someone's gonna pick, people pick at me all the time. Uh, social media is mean <laughs> in a lot of spots. Uh, I get a ton of support. Don't get me wrong. I get a ton of support, and it keeps me going. It energizes me. It allows me to. Um, have a desire to want to do more of it. But I also put up with a lot of shit. I, I get a lot of stuff where people tell me why I'm doing it wrong. People have called me abusive on dogs. People have called me um, weak and, and a pansy type trainer. I'm, I've been called Amish trainer because I do it a little more old, a little more old school. I, I've been called everything. I've been told I was an idiot. I've been told I don't know shit about training dogs. And it used to really bother me. And it used to really kind of fire me up inside and make me defensive and make me want to explain and debate and all that. And I've realized that is a complete waste of my time. I'm not going yep. to change their. I'm not going to change their mind. I, you know what? I shouldn't. That's not my job. My job is not to change someone's mind. If you, I, I've gotten pretty good at the idea of look. If you don't like what you see, swipe or click yeah. on the next thing or whatever. Yeah. But like, I, I'm not going to get sucked in into that. But I also have realized that my feelings can't, I, I, I'm, a, I'm an emotional guy. I get invested in mm-hmm. stuff. I have to work on my feelings to continue to be sensitive, but also understand that I can't take it. If I upset one person out of 100, I focus on the one that I upset versus the 99 that are really happy and want more good, want more of that stuff. So I have to like, I have to separate that and go focus on the 99 and give them more. The 1% be nice to them. Don't battle with them. Be nice to them and say, Hey, I get it, man. You probably haven't figured out. Good luck to your training. I'll subscribe to your page and watch. You never hear back from them, you know? And And so I, I just feel like, we only have so much energy and time in the day and we have to be really conscious of where we're putting it. And so I take that as a really big compliment when you say, I bet you you're a good dad because if there's one thing I want to be in life, it's that I want to be a good husband. Yeah. I want to be a good dad, but I, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I don't have enough experience with it and I'm not good enough at it to necessarily preach about it. Like I'm not a preacher at all. Um, I do believe in the idea of like your actions got to speak a little louder than your words. Like I, I see too much lip service out there. I see too much saying, but not necessarily doing. I'm a way better communicator by just, just do your shit and let people see it. And if they want to replicate it and it works for them, great. And if it doesn't, that's okay too. 
Well, it, it's tough, man. I mean, <clears throat> number one and and being a good dad is just show up. First off, sure. just be there. Sure. Show up. You know, like I was at soccer game with Harlan last ninety six, right? And I, I, you know, I know I'm a sports guy, so I'm yelling. You know, Harlan, get in front. You know, get a ball, get on the ball, get yeah. on. But afterwards, you know, I'm supportive of him because he, you know, he he at least tries. Like sure. he's there. He shows up, and I have to hold myself accountable. Like I don't want to miss, or I try not to miss any games. Like I may miss a practice or something. Try not to miss yeah. any games, even though I'm busy. Because at least if I show up. It's better than most. Yeah, yeah, you're invested in it, man. And I I think that the idea of like, I'm a, I'm a big believer in balance in everything we do. And so I, I, I think there's a place for correction when things, I think you got, it's guidance. Like guidance isn't always cushy. It's just not. So, but there's, there are times and you have to read those scenarios and situations with dogs or people or things in life. You got to read them each individually and, and be be willing to act on them accordingly. And I think that support at times is necessary. I'm not a treat trainer. You know, that I'm not a treat trainer. I use kibble a little bit to influence and early on, especially, but I don't yeah. consider, I don't consider myself. So, so someone will probably listen to this and say, you are a treat trainer. You just said it. You use kibble. Yes, I am. Then I am a treat trainer. If that's what I don't, what I don't want to do is I don't want to be defined as a trainer by a style. I don't want to be thrown in a bucket of you're a treat trainer. You're a force trainer. You're a this, you're a that, you're a the, I, I'm me. And some days I have to do this and some days I have to do that. And I don't want to be, I don't want to fall into the, the idea of I can't do things because I'm this type of trainer. I can't do that because I'm this. We start to like believe ourselves. Well, I'm a, this type. Human, I have to do it that beings. way. <clears throat> like we're literally different things every hour of the day, depending on how much sleep we've had, how much like, yeah. what yeah. we've gotten to eat, you know, what their circumstances are. Like <clears throat> we're, we're dynamic individuals, you know, and I think, social media you know or, or any kind of like text statement about or to somebody is 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 often perceived or put out there as like so black and white it's like like you said you're this or you're that right okay yeah maybe i came across that way right here you know but but it's not that and so right dude, it's, that's why it's got to be frankly, fluid i despise it so much and that's what i love so much about our podcast is it all podcasts it gives us the freedom to have long-form conversation and even though from the beginning to the end of this podcast, I'll you know be hungrier at the end of it than I was. Like we're gonna develop and we'll get to you know we'll yeah. get more comfortable as we're talking through things. But like at least we have an opportunity, and if people watch the whole thing, you know I, th- I think you get a pretty good perception of um you know our attitude towards things or, or our hearts right. for things and for sure why yeah. we you know why we feel the way I we would do. I would assume Jeremy <clears throat> just because of your style of putting out information right and and I guess I related to you, you bring up true tree training you know i've heard it in in uses that it seems to work well and other uses it doesn't but it very much seems to be dog specific um and because of the way that you put information out there you you almost can't be dog specific right because you're you're giving us the tools to train but you don't necessarily know my dog right. you haven't experienced his, his behavior and, and how he does things so right you know, I feel like people can probably be quick to judge and be like, oh, you are or you aren't a tree trainer, and this is why that won't work. But, I mean, you're trying to cover a large plethora of dog types and behaviors. Yeah, and, and specifically on tree training, tree training works. It does. It totally works. It, it It's fast. 
it's it's impressive. It, it makes people feel good. I, there's all sorts of good things about tree training. I just personally look at it and go, I think there's some negatives to it that aren't worth yeah. the positive. You know, I think it's a little bit um, at well, it's bribery. You know, we're bri- we're literally bribing. Like I could hell, I could raise my kids, and I'm not going to tell anybody how to raise their kids, and I'm not going to tell you how to raise your dogs. I'm going to tell you how I do it and what works best for me. I could yeah. get I could get my daughter Lillian to do a lot of stuff. If I gave her if I gave her a candy cane for everything she did right, like she'd yeah. get a she'd she'd be very motivated to do the right to do things yes. because she's getting candy canes. But as soon as the candy canes stop, yeah, she's, she's not. not I don't believe that the habit is of right or wrong is going to be ingrained in her deeply enough that she's going to make the decision. Yeah, I yeah, agree. because that you've taken that incentive completely away. Versus like you were kind of on the edge of convincing her that this was the right thing to do regardless of what she was given. Right. So that's a specific, you know, there's unintended consequences that come from everything. And that's just one specific when it comes to treats. I I just, I know you can train dogs with collars, shock collars. I know you can. I don't do it. I don't believe in it. It's not, it doesn't fit my personality. It doesn't fit my dogs. I don't think it's necessary. Where the issues come up is when people say you have to treat train to get your dog to do this or you have to use a collar to do this. No, I don't think so. And so can you? Sure. Does it create underlying issues that I think are going to be become a little bit of a thorn in your side? I think so. So, But I'm not going to spend my time trying to convince a treat trainer to not treat train and I'm not going to convince a collar trainer to not use the collar. That's not, well, it's not know, productive. I'll give you an example of, of my, I'm with you on the, on the treat train. I think mm-hmm. everything you guys said is exactly right. I do use some collars for, for my dogs and I'm not hunting them or, or working them nearly as frequently as you are. Fr- frankly, I did it out of concern for their safety when they would run away. I, I wanted to have a way to con- control them. Sure. Um, but uh, just like the treats, you know, you, you remove the treat and they, where's their motivation to do it? Uh, when I take their collar off or I don't put their collar off, they're smart enough to know, you know, what's their motivation to obey now sure. that that's not on. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it, man. There's there's issues that come up with all those techniques. There's issues yeah. that come up with my techniques as well. And so we adjust yeah. to it. But I just, I do think it's a, it comes back to you always have to, it's a general question that's asked. What's the perfect dog for this? What's the perfect dog for that? What's the best dog for this? What's the best thing for that? It's a combination of, matching up styles training style hunting style and lifestyles all have to align and that there's those components are parts of that puzzle the dogs the techniques the comfort level your understanding of those techniques like those are all just you know and i'll give you a good example of it and i've got no problem we've had a we've had a big issue with our catahoula um, if he sees another dog or an animal on the television, he loses his shit. Like, I mean, aggressive yeah. loses his shit to the point where like, you know, if I don't give him a firm, like, Hey, like, and cut him off, like, yeah, you know, he'll go. So what happens is, is typically I'll be like, all right, you know, enough of this shit, go to your bed. Right. Mm. But at one point in time to get him to go to his bed without me having to like drag his ass to it, I would give him a treat in his bed. Now those two have intersected to where it's like, okay, he's mad at the TV. I say, go to bed. He thinks he's getting a treat. So he'll now go at the TV more because he knows if he goes to his bed, he gets a treat. And And so now you're in this, this weird jam where it's like, no, 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 listen, man, I'm not reinforcing your bad behavior. You're not going to just sound off something and think you're going to bed so you can get a treat. Right. And, And I don't think a lot of people, think about that with their dog but you got to analyze those situations because you end up in a weird 
a weird position pretty quickly. Well, here's even a, another layer that maybe you haven't considered is like by sending them to bed as like a punishment that they will learn to view that as like a sure. A, a oh, negative. absolutely. And, yeah. and it shouldn't necessarily be like Jeremy's dogs are ha- happy to lay on their beds because it's they have a good experience with it. They were never mm-hmm. thrown in there. When, and I've, I'm definitely guilty of that. I have to bad dog. You know, you got into the trash and I throw them in the crate because that's, yeah. you know, I could deal with that's them that way. Concealment. And right. then afterwards, if I don't count to three, you know, like Jeremy said, it's like I, I realized like, man, I just associated this this thing that bad I want the dog to enjoy bad. with with bad. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think you got to look at like the dogs, everything is connected. And so you have to understand like like just that clip <laughs> what's that i was told if you got that clip everything is connected yeah well i'm, sorry. I'm just poking fun i look at your your example with the dog that's barking at the tv so that's the symptom that's the the thing that's wrong like yeah and then and then there's an action that takes place after it and that action was kind of connected to the idea of reward because you train the dog to go to the bed and get the bed get the reward and all yeah. that stuff so like we're really mixing stuff up there Uh, and i look at i look at it and i go so how do you fix so how do you work on that so i i think when we have issues we take steps we have to take a step back physically and look at the whole big picture what happened prior to that's probably what's you know that's that's what's triggering this whole thing what happens during and after is end results that i don't want to necessarily focus on that as much as i want to do treatment prior to, you know, I don't, I don't like treating symptoms. I like curing the illness. So, yeah, yeah. so you got to cure the illness. So you look at it and you go, okay, I know what's going to trigger this dog. The dog yep. it's, it's an animal coming on the TV and I know what's going to happen because I've seen it happen long enough. I, I've, I'm, I've caught onto it. The unbe- undesirable behavior barks, throws a little fit at the TV. I don't like that. So what do I do from a trainer's perspective is I say, okay, I know what triggers it. I know what the behavior is. How can I anticipate it coming and how do I address it in a timely manner that's going to actually correct the issue? Your issue of kenneling them up or putting them on the bed after the place, it's too late. It's already, you missed the, yep, you missed the trigger. So I would, we, we are lucky because, you know, in the old days I'd say, well, buy a VCR and rewind and push play. But now you got, you can pause, you can DVR, yep. you can do all this stuff. Yep. So you got the commercial that the animal came on or you got the video that the animal came out and the dog freaked out. So now I pause it, I rewind it and I turn this into a training session and I go, okay, what's your dog's name? Twain. Twain, Twain's going to be on lead because I'm going to have to transfer a little bit of correction to him. So I'm going to put him on a lead. I'm going to have him sit next to me. And I know he's going to trigger when that video goes. So now I'm going to push play and I'm going to play the 10 seconds prior to it. And when I know it's coming, I'm going to watch his response. And before he even re- reacts to it, ah, 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 and I'm correcting it. And he's going, because I know he's thinking about it. Yeah. And, you're, and you corrected him before it ever happened. And then the animal's there and he didn't freak out. And then you're going to say, good boy. You're not going on your place as punishment. You're not getting treats. You're just saying you're marking a a desirable thing. Him working through it with you're good. Thank you. You're you're correcting it before it actually happens. Now, is it going to happen that quickly? No, it might take 10 times. So you Mm -hmm. just push rewind 10 times and play. Rewind 10 times and play. And now you just took an opportunity. You turn it into a really positive lesson. And it didn't even take you. It took you a little extra time because it took you maybe that eight extra replays of it. But you got something to build off of from it. And then you say, good boy. And then when you're done with that, let him go think about it. Don't tempt him with the next animal that comes up. Say, we're not going to turn this into a a thing that wears you out. You did really well with that one, Twain. Now go lay in your kennel and be 
positive with it and let that soak in or lay on your bed. So the punishment, you're not, you're not punishing them by putting them on the bed or the kennel. You're taking them there to let them think about what just happened. And you're actually turning it into like, well, this is a kind of a good thing. Like, good boy. All good, yeah. good, good, good. There was a little bit of correction first. Then it was good. Instead of it happens, we correct, and we correct with another negative. Right. Your dog yeah. will pick that, up on that's that. Such a, that's yeah. such a huge point that he just drove drove home. And it's funny. I mean, you just probably solved a lot of people's uh, not knowing how to address their issues. So, so mine is like Buckley will when the dog when somebody knocks on the door or he hears a thud that he thinks is a mm. knock on the door. That's when he freaks sure. out. Mm-hmm. Sure. Starts starts barking like crazy. And so, by you addressing Jeremy's issue, I already know what I need to do. Yeah, you have mm-hmm. someone, um, and and I have the same issue. I have a dog that is very defensive. I don't. Yeah. I don't want to turn her off of it 100% because my wife is home right. a lot by herself. My wife yeah. likes to yes. know when someone is there. What needs to happen is it once it once we realize there's somebody here, I have with her, the twist is I have to be able to say that's enough. And when I say that's enough, mm-hmm. she recognizes dad knows, mom knows, I got to be quiet now because that's the behavior that's expected of me. So I don't yeah. want to turn but if you don't want the dog doing that in the first place, well then get ahead of it. So right. like it's, it's the way people fix, I, I get a lot of people that ask questions about food aggression. So take away a lot of the variables, like yeah. put the dog on a lead. Don't get your hand down in there when the dog becomes food aggressive. <laughs> I see no. people want to get down there and then they're getting bit and I'm going, yeah. put a buffer in it. My dogs respond very well to, to pressure on the neck from a lead. And so, but they have to understand what that is, which back that up before you can fix that, you dog just got to understand good heel work because heel work is understanding. They learn that through a a combination of pressure to the neck when they get out of position and praise when they're in good position. So they associate that and understand it. So I can just transfer that, that And see, my dog gets good heel work. Like if I, you know, no distractions, like if I get him to heel, I mean, he puts pressure on my, my thigh, like he's there, he knows that. And he gets, you know, a good boy. Like yeah, he, and he sure. likes that. He strives for that reinforcement. Yeah. I, I think, um, Jeremy, feel free to correct or, or rephrase what I'm about to say here. Cause this, this was like kind of a, a breakthrough understanding for me when it came to like training dogs is like, I think a lot of people are like, don't know how to communicate what they want to their dog. Cause they like, they don't obviously speak English exactly. and like, it's like, how, how do I tell this dog what I want it to do? Yeah. When I say sit, it's like it, it does. It's not interpreting it the same way. Right. And so, what I finally came to understand was like, even from a, a potty training thing, you almost have to like literally do it for them or with them or or coax them through like the uh, the action that you want them to take or or not take, and be actively applying, you know, positive reinforcement or, or discipline. And like as they're as they're seeing like, okay, this is good. This is this is bad. You know. Yeah, pressure that's... on the neck when they bark at the TV. Okay, don't don't do that. Right, and it's all positive reinforcement when they don't. That seems to be like how to communicate from from human to animal. It's like, that... yeah. Well, there's two things. Feel free to rephrase that. There's yeah. two things there. One of it is timing. Like you're touching on yep. how important timing is. Dogs' memory is short. They have short term and long term. So if it's not if it's a correction <laughs> or if it's a correction or a praise thing, it's got to happen very quickly to the to the behavior right. that you want it associated with. If you miss that time, it doesn't it doesn't do you any good. It doesn't you don't gain anything from it. So timing is very key. But then there's also that the physic the actual communication. And you're right, they don't speak our language. So, but audible is an, is part of it. They they hear and they respond to things audibly. 
body language is very important. They, they yeah. see other dogs, like dogs bark at each other. You, we got to communicate to them how they communicate to each other. So dogs bark at each other. Dogs make growling noises to each other. Dogs whimper and whine. Dogs, they make audible sounds. That's like our, that's where we can kind of like draw a parallel of our, our language, our talking. They make some, but it's not as complex as ours. The body language is very important. How they carry their tails, how they carry their ears, how they carry, like their licking of the lips. There's all these things that can be submissive or aggressive. Rolling back and showing your teeth. Those are all body language things. Bristling hair. Like the list goes on of stuff that dogs do to communicate to people around them and dogs around them of, I'm feeling this way. But if you don't understand what that means or you misinterpret it or misread it, well, you it's like, it's like talking to someone in another language. Now, the, you can you can talk to people in other languages and they can speak a, a foreign language to you and you can kind of get an idea of a lot of situations based on gestures, based on things that they do outside of the verbal. That's the same. It's kind of what we're doing with dogs. There's the body language part. There's the audible part of it. There's I do believe that they sense energy levels i think they sense our excitement i think they sense our tension i think they sense our fear i think they sense stuff because our bodies put stuff off smells are very important to dogs dogs use their nose like we use our eyes so those are all ways that they communicate and i think that Uh, yeah isn't it amazing like how in tune they are with you they know well and so so my experiences with Brittany is that not that any dog, I don't know, not that any dog is smarter than another dog, but like those, the Springers, certain breeds, hunt, yeah. certain breeds seem to be, whether it's, an, if you want to call it intelligence, dude, my little one, Gunner, is like so sensitive. Like every move that I make, I can see in his eyes, like he's picking up sure. and like, we can go from totally relaxed to like, all I have to do is, like, and, and he's like, yeah, some of the, you know, you know, he gets it. Some of the, well, yeah, some of that is maturity. Some of that is personality. Some of the, yeah. like some of that is inherent traits. Like we and, and, and as a breeder, we breed for certain things that we like. We like some people. You know, if you're if you're training dogs for a canine bite team, there are certain things you want that dog to have because it's going to make your life a lot easier when it comes to training. I'm training dogs for the field. There are certain things that I want. The but the nicest, sweetest dog in the world that doesn't have a very doesn't know how to use its nose well. Like they all have good noses, but some of them use them better. And so the dogs that have the best noses, the best natural game finding ability, they really rank highly in my list of boxes to check. So I'm looking at certain things. Dogs that have very natural retrieve for me, that ticks a box pretty high. Like I, I want dogs that have that. Nice mouths are very, very important to me. I, because when it comes to the training part, I don't have to train that part. Like if they have it, we don't have to build it. If we, if they have it, we just shape it. And so all sorts of stuff like that. Um, You know, it's, it's, it's important to realize again, that's all, that's just some of the variables that are involved with this. And so when you start thinking about now, one thing I do want to make a point, because I thought of it last, I thought of it a little while ago when we were talking and I apologize for going so long here, but the, one of the things that we, that I think is, important to make a point of to listeners is don't I don't want someone to listen to this and come away from it going this is so complex this is so this is so confusing and so much and so overwhelming because yes it is but we're putting a bunch of shit into an 
we're at an hour and 50 minutes on my clock right now. We put a whole bunch of stuff in this bucket and that's not the way we should do it. You shouldn't take it all in, in one podcast. So the, yes, there's a whole bunch and we're touching on lots of stuff, but I want to make sure that people realize training dogs is simple. The, The more simple we make it, the better it is. So like you have to understand big picture stuff on a macro level. You also have to understand how important and how influential the micro level is to reach the macro. So, yeah, you got to break it down, but it's nothing. Whatever, whoever's listening to this, it goes bullshit. That's super complicated, which all the stuff you just went through. I want you to think about what you do for a living. And I don't care if it's I don't care if you're a NASA person or you're a person that sweeps the gym floor. Like it doesn't matter. There are a lot of levels of of complication to what it is you're doing because the best gym floor sweepers have the best chemicals they mix them the right way they do it with certain humidity they do certain Mm -hmm. things they they keep temperature at a certain level to keep the floor at its tacking like that's just sweeping the floor but the best the best ones don't just sweep the floor the best nasa guys don't just run numbers like there's all sorts of layers in everything that we do that allows us to be good at it so you can be you don't have to be the you don't have to be the depth the deepest person in it but you can't be on the surface either and expect to get good results i I mean i think it you know obviously i'm not a dog trainer but the the things that i've found that work very well in its simplest form uh, somewhat like being a parent. Number one, show up, like be yep. around your dog, yep. interact with your dog, form a relationship. Like uh, Twain knows that I love him, but he also knows that I'm the authority sure. as well. Leadership, um, man. And if, if you can, if you can develop just that simple relationship and you can show up, meaning you interact and you're around your dog, you're off to a good start. You know, from there it, it becomes that working relationship you know, to iron out the details of what their strengths or weaknesses are and what your strengths and weaknesses are. But, you know, I think a lot of guys, and they'll they'll show you what that is. Well, and I think a lot of guys, unfortunately expect to open up the truck door and just like, okay, dog, do your thing. It's like, it's not going to work like that. And when it runs off, it's because you haven't established a connection of recall there that it knows your authority and it wants to come back to you. Right. Right. If you, and if you're aggressive to it, sure. Shit doesn't want to come back to you because it's going to get its ass beat. Right. Right. Totally. It's just a weird thing. Simplify. You're right, though. We need to simplify it. Yeah, we need to. We need to have a. I think a point that needs to be made is there's there is lots of layers. There's lots of things to think about, but it's not complicated or difficult. It's here's the one of the best analogies I think I can make is weight loss because I I struggle with it and a lot of people do. Okay, so weight loss, fitness type stuff. Fitness and weight loss is a complicated world that millions of people are involved with as an industry. It's important. It's our health. It's not complicated. It's simple. You burn more calories than you take in, you'll lose weight. Like that's easy. That's it's a very mathematical thing. It's a very understandable concept for people. Burn more calories than you take in, weight will go away. Let me ask you how easy that is. Because I know how easy that is. I know how easy that isn't. And so there's all sorts of challenges that make it very difficult. But it's not complicated. And so I think dog training is like that. There's a lot of things that make it can make it seem complicated. 
but it's not. It's relatively simple, but you have to have a basic understanding. You have to have a willingness to, to do it. Like it takes execution. And that goes back to, I think, full circle kind of brings us back to what are we doing? What are, what are, what is our business doing? That's what we're trying to fill. We're trying to be able to provide that to your listeners, to any of our customers. We're trying to, to make that realistic for them to find success with yep. their own dog. It's awesome, man. Um, but we, we took up a bunch of your time. I guess before we close a couple things, we mentioned dogbonehunter.com. Yep. Um, that, that seems to be the key point to get in, get information, find the training products, find the training videos. Yeah. Um, uh, obviously any, any other place you got podcast. We do a podcast. Well. Yeah, we do. We do a podcast called the dog bone podcast. It's P A W D C A S T. Probably the worst marketing move I've made in a long time. Spell it funny, But uh, it, it was clever. It was cute at the time. I mean, this was a, quite a few years ago and we started it and I didn't have a lot of, didn't put a lot of thought into the realizing what that was going to do. But if you just search out Dogbone or Dogbone Hunter on any podcast yeah. app, you're probably going to find it. Um, Googling Dogbone Hunter or Dogbone will probably get you to us. Dogbone is a little more generic and you might get some other stuff. But Dogbone Hunter is going to get you our our, our, our social yeah. platforms, which is you know Facebook and Instagram is where we put a lot of time into. TikTok is something that we're putting a lot of effort into. Um, it's new and it's you – know, I'm a I'm – a, I don't use the TikTok. Well, I'm a little bit of a dinosaur, but I'll tell you, um, I, I think that we're not jumping on, we don't jump on social media stuff very quickly because it is a lot of work and, and I just, I, I kind of let it kind of dictate what's, what's going to stick around and what's going to go away. And I do think that TikTok is different and Instagram, Instagram is different than Facebook. TikTok is different than Instagram. They have a lot of similarities, but it's just a different way of people consuming stuff. And I get that. YouTube for us is a big thing that we've put effort into in the last year. Um, it's another way. It's another platform. It's another option to share different, share things differently. I get that people consume stuff differently. And so that's what forced me to say and build this incredible team that we have. Their input and my combination of being able to provide them with the content part of it. What it does is it allows us to hopefully be accessible to lots of different people. So Dogbone Hunter yep. is the easiest way probably to find it. Cool. Awesome, man. And um, I guess uh, what anything new coming out here soon? You said you've got field dog stuff coming out? Yeah, we've dog got – we've moved – we've shifted from we're – so, we were so niche to begin out – to be, get, get started here with gaining distribution. And from a business standpoint, it allowed us yep. to do what we're doing with Shed stuff. So Shed was our first – Thing and it was my passion and it was what I poured so much into and designed and developed. And, and we've got product lines specific to that and patents that go along with them. And we're very, very proud of that. Then we, we do, uh, from there, it was logical for me. I was training shed dogs for clients and they asked if we could track with those same dogs. So I started training tracking dogs out of that and I needed stuff to do it. And so we put together products that allowed the tools and then the information to go along with it and support it. So we went from shed training to tracking products. Um, when I say tracking, like a tracking dog game recovery, we, wow. my, I, I'm a bird hunter by, by historical nature. And so I was raised as uh, with my retriever world. I was a duck hunting was what got me into that bunch of buddies from Minnesota in college that just got me crazy about it. Upland stuff. I'm a, I love grouse hunting. I love hunting woodcock. I used to pheasant hunt out West. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big, I love anything that has to do with a dog when it comes to hunting. So we, we have 
as a business evolved and grown a bit into different areas of product stuff. So we're no longer looking at ourselves as just a deer dog type company. Um, so we moved into more general and, and the general obedience is the part that's underlying and necessary for all of it. So we, yep. we provide, I think a very well-rounded assortment of stuff through our website, um, whether it be products or information or a combination of both. So, um, we, we're expanding um, into some of our gun dog stuff. We've come out with new scents, new training dummies, stuff that I think has very, very, we've changed some of the training dummies that we've used. And the reason is, is because I think I've got a better way of doing a process that we call hold conditioning and hold conditioning isn't a, I mean, we can't even get into that because we'll be here for two more hours, but that's another, you know, training thing. That's an alternative to a force fetch. And it's just a thing that works well for us. And so we want to share that. And so we're, we're excited. Um, the, from a business standpoint, I'm really, I'm really grateful for the times. I know that the times are tough right now, but anyone in the business that has to do with fresh air, hunting, fishing, camping, that kind of stuff, I believe it's been a blessing because people have been reminded how good it is to be outside in nature. People have that that have not been exposed to it are out of necessity for something to do, and they're recognizing and realizing how good it is. The number of people that are owning dogs and enjoying them. I think is growing. And so I, I'm very excited about kind of the direction that things are going. And, um, and I'm, and I'm, I'm just getting older, man, and I'm appreciating things differently. So, um, I I really appreciate you guys having me on. This was, this was really enjoyable. Yeah. Well, like you said, dude, at the beginning of this thing, we never have set topics, right? It's, you never know where these conversations are going to go, but you know, ultimately for Jared and I, and we keep kind of beating this dead horse, but you know, part of, part of why we have this podcast is, is really understanding why people do what they do, you know? And, and, and yeah, it all is around a hunting aspect of it, but you know, it's, it's that, you know, we got one life to live at its fullest. Right. And so to really continue to hone in and, and get guests on like you, that, you know, you truly have a passion for what you're doing and there is a mission to it. Um, it seems, it seems crazy or maybe it seems dumb just sit making the statement as a, as a broad blanket. But like, I don't know how people kind of get in and, and are functioning in life without a mission to it. Right. You know, and that could be you know, just to be a good dad or it could be to have faith or it could be to, to have all of these things inclusive, but like, man, you, you got to wake up in the morning and say, cool, here's what I want to do. This it's is it's purpose. This is my goal in life. Yeah, yeah. It's this purpose that drives you. And I think that, you know, hopefully as we continue to dive into these podcasts deeper and deeper, and, and we appreciate you being on and really sharing your passion for, for this area around dogs and, and shed hunting and everything that, that goes into it. I think that we start to see, you know, people have different reasons for doing things that still all is in the same bucket, which is all of us as outdoors uh, or women, right? We, we love it for a single reason, but uh, there's a different ways and portals to get into it. Yeah. I've been, I've been motivated and inspired by countless people in my life and I've yep. been and I've been influenced in a positive way by many and I I don't if I can help one person it's worth it because there's a lot of people that have helped me so I think that we have to you know we there's so much opportunity there's so much so many good things that don't always get talked about and I think that that's why I love this conversation because it wasn't so specific dog, but it was, it was always on the fringes of it. And I just feel like if, if, if people listening to this can take anything away from it, 
you know, I want to help is I want to help anyone that that is out there that's looking for that because there's a lot of people out there that have helped me. And I feel like it's this kind of man, I know the impact that that has had on me. And I, I if I can help anybody, it's so worth it. And so you're right, man. There's we've got a lot of I understand there's tough stuff out there, but there's so much good and, and we gotta we gotta remember that focus on it and move towards it that's all i mean ultimately rule of thumb uh if if the person likes and loves dogs and the dogs respect them back that's a person i trust for sure for sure man <laughs> it is or it's worse to live by yeah. cool. person i don't know maybe we're, we're on the fence <laughs> up in the air if you got a bunch of cats with you yeah <laughs> well easy now easy now we don't want to ruffle feathers at the end here we've done a nice job <laughs> Uh, oh shit man well listen dude we appreciate your time this morning um everybody can go and check out your stuff on the dog bone hunter side and, and yeah check out the podcast as well perfect and uh yeah man uh, as as always we appreciate having just a good conversation thank you fellas i appreciate it i enjoyed it all right brother have a good day yep Thanks, we'll man. talk to you